my calculations are correct, when this baby hits 88 miles per hour, you're gonna see some serious shit. Do you really think you have a chance against us, Mr. Cowboy? Yippee-ki-yay, motherfucker. It's showtime. Right, welcome everybody to another episode of the VHS Strikes Back. I am one of your hosts, Chris Phelps, and my co-host and very good friend is Mr. Dave Horrocks. Hi, Chris, and hello to our listeners out there. Welcome to the VHS Strikes Back, the show where we dust off the old video player and go on a nostalgic journey to look at the good and the bad movies of yesteryear. Now, Chris, this week it's another Patreon pick, and it is Griff from the Paul and Griff Show. What are we going to review this week? Well, Dave, we are going to be doing our second James Bond movie on the VHS Strikes Back. This is one of the OG original ones, so this was 1964, and it's Goldfinger. Now, I've got loads to say on this, Dave, but where do you remember first watching this? Well... So this is the, probably the oldest film that we've covered, isn't it? And, yeah. you, you know, it's not one that was released <laughs> on VHS. I don't think VHS has existed in 1964. But I remember having this one on video, as with a lot of the Bonds. And not only were they, you know, you have them on the old blank tapes, but they were just on all the time, weren't they? You know, and and as a kid, you just don't realise you have so much free time. <laughs> so, you know, on a Sunday afternoon or something like that, you're watching, you know, you're flicking through the three channels that we had back then, Chris. And, um, yeah, I just remember Goldfinger being one of those that, that really stood out. And I'd have to say, if I think of Roger Moore's James Bond, I think of Moonraker. If I think of Sean Connery's James Bond, I think of Goldfinger. And so this for me was one of those that I loved and there were so many iconic scenes in this. You know, I still remember um, even as a young child thinking, can you really die from like being covered in gold paint (laughs) and your skin suffocating? Um, And and now I know the answer to that. But I, I just... This is the thing that I I, I loved, you know, about James Bond. And I think I mentioned last week, I hadn't seen this for a number of decades now. And I was wondering, okay, how is this going to look now I'm watching it with the hindsight of Austin Powers? (laughs) And I think I've got the answer to that. But how about yourself, Chris? Well, I think I'm like you, Dave. This was the movie of Sean Connery's era that... I remember more than anything. I always remember Diamonds of Forever because he, he goes to Vegas, even as a kid. I remember him driving around the car park in Vegas and that. But this was the one more than anything. Obviously, Doctor No was his first one. I still got I've watched that a few times, but Goldfinger's one of Sean Connery's one of my favourites as a kid. I watched over and over. Now I mentioned this before, but one of my cousins loved recording movies from the TV and he did the old classic where he would sit in front of the VHS and pause the adverts. So what he did was he got them, we've talked about before, them brown binder-like VHS yeah. boxes, you remember them? And he would get the TV times or the, or the radio times and he would put the bio from the actual movie on the front and he put like a strip on the side, like so you'd have Goldfinger, Sean Connery. And he did them all, it was brilliant. So me, so my nan loved Sean Connery, my mum's mum, and she loved Roger Moore as well, but she didn't mm. like George Lazenby. So we had all Sean Connery's movies and all Roger Moore's. Now... 
never had. I've, I've only ever seen on the Majesty's Secret Service in bits. I've never seen it properly. So, mm. and, and I know like watching No Time to Die and stuff like that, there's a bit of a continuation there. And even when we've done stuff with Roger Moore, there's a continuation of an acknowledgement of his wife being dead and stuff like that. But it was always there. And like you say, the iconic stuff with the gold. And it fascinated me as a kid. I remember like reading it, my dad going like, the woman had to be sort of the front wasn't covered in gold, but they only had like a small time scale to sort of do the shot because she could have suffocated. It was a genuine like sort of, this has got to be done with one take sort of thing. And again, the car, the DB5, man, I said DB4 last mm. week. Yeah, that's terrible. I know it's a DB5. It was, it was poor. I mean, that would be DB5, the winding roads, which is because of this movie in James Bond, it becomes almost, it has to be in the movie. No time said I've got a similar one where he's in the hills in the DB5 and all that mm. stuff at the start. So it's all there. Connery's never been my favourite. It was always Roger Moore as a kid, then Connery, but then obviously as I've got older, it's been Daniel Craig. So so I've I've seen this probably at least a dozen times, maybe more, because it was just on, they were always on on a loop and, and it was one of my nana's favourites, so probably watched it more than that. But I'm with you. I've not seen this. God, it must be. To sit down and actually watch it, Dave, I'd say 20 years yeah. I've seen the bits on YouTube and the bits when it's been on telly and I'll, I'll watch like half of it or the bits I remember, like the golf scene I always love. But it has been a long time. I mean, I'm looking at the reviews and it's like 99% on Rotten Tomatoes. I know that's not a barometer because you've got in the 60s, but 8.6 user review, that's one of the highest user reviews you're going to get, Dave. That is like, it is the elite. And I think the one thing I would say about this movie is this is the movie that stamped James Bond on the map because he does the shake and not stir bit and all that. But it actually created that snowball of James Bond, I think, from here because it was so iconic, this movie at the time. It was just a huge, huge movie. And I remember my grandparents, my dad and I always saying, like, Goldfinger, what a film. And everyone had just stopped what they're doing and watch it, whether it was on TV, off the VHS. So I've grew up with loads of James Bond stuff, Dave. As, as you know, I know you have the same. It was always there in the subconscious. A bit like when we grew up with bloody Star Wars being on ITV literally every Christmas and you'd watch all three <laughs> of them. And James Bond was the same, wasn't it? And even now, they'll have like a James Bond run on a, uh, run on a Saturday afternoon and it's on ITV or ITV2 and it's they just go through all the movies. So I'm looking forward to this because it's been so long. And I think you're right. Austin Powers does play a part in this, unfortunately. And, you know, for me, I think it's it's less like Star Wars because Star Wars I would intentionally seek out and put on and then when it had finished, I'd put it on again. <laughs> Just didn't really <laughs> yeah. care. But I would proactively seek out putting it on, on the video. Whereas with the Bond movies, it was more like, I would say, A Wizard of Oz or Mary Poppins. If it was on TV, I would sit there and watch it but it yeah. wasn't something that i would you know go and seek out from the video collection and and put on so i do have a lot of fond memories but i i have quite a distinct in my mind i've basically got those two different categories stuff that i just watched because it was on and stuff that i you know just absolutely loved like star wars like superman 2 um superman 3 as well things like that so what you say about this being massive, I mean, it, it is so funny. You basically have in this movie a self-contained blueprint for James Bond, I think. And this cost, Chris, $3 million to make. And it made $125 million at the box office. 
Now, if you adjust that for inflation, because this is 1964, that's over a billion dollars. This movie was fucking huge. This must have been a massive cultural phenomenon at the time. And like you say, this must have just exploded at the time. And so I think growing up with these Bond movies like we have, we've got a different perspective. Like, you know, I I, I think in my mind, I think of these, I certainly think of Sean Connery as like the serious James Bond. Yes. And I think of Roger Moore as being a bit more cheeky, a bit a bit funnier. And as a kid, that's that's the impression that I've got stamped on my, my subconscious. But um, I'm sure we'll get into it. I, I don't think that seriousness is quite warranted. <laughs> <laughs> when I come back and I watch it now, I think it always knew what it was and kind of played up that cheeky kind of but almost fantastical spy world you know this is not intended to be serious at all i don't think no and i think i think you're right this i think this is probably sean connery's best james bond if i'm being honest dave just just for everything about him but let's get into the trailer first dave let's go stop look he's gunning for trouble 007. It spells Bond. Shocking. He's the idol of every woman. Who are you? Bond. James Bond. The envy of every man. The nemesis of the treacherous Mr. Goldfinger. Galore. Isn't it customary to grant the condemned man his last request? You've asked for this. Come and purr over Honor Blackman as Pussy Galore. The female who is all feline. Also starring Gert Rober as Goldfinger. International cheat. International menace. Gentlemen! Goldfinger, why weren't we told the New York and the West Coast weren't on this? Goldfinger? I made a delivery. Where is my money? And you owe me one million bucks. Goldfinger, the man with a finger in every pie. His goal, Fort Knox, the world's biggest bank. His enemy, 007, the world's wiliest, toughest gentleman agent with a license to kill. 007, it spells Bond. James Bond, mixing business with girls and thrills girls and fun girls and danger the hotter the danger the cooler he takes it i think you've made your point goldfinger thank you for the demonstration choose your next witticism carefully mr bond it may be your last do you expect me to talk no mr bond i expect you goodbye 
After destroying a drug lab in Latin America, MI6 agent James Bond vacations in Miami Beach. His superior, M, via CIA agent Felix Leiter, directs Bond to observe bullion dealer Auric Goldfinger at the hotel there. Bond discovers Goldfinger is cheating at a high-stakes gin rummy game, aided remotely by his employee, Jill Masterson, who prompts him by using binoculars and a one-way radio. Bond interrupts Jill and then blackmails Goldfinger into losing. Now, Chris, what do you reckon to the opening of this movie? (laughs) Well, (laughs) I did say before the trailer, this is... Probably Roger Moore at the peak of his powers. Roger Moore? I uh, Roger Moore, sorry, Sean Connery there. <laughs> fucking hell. I, you know what? <clears throat> I love Sean Connery in, like, Untouchables, knowing the Highlander, his accent is just awful. And he, he just literally plays that same Scottish accent in every single movie. <laughs> this is the one that I always remember most. I said it before, don't anything. However, watching it 20 years later... It is well with of it. It's well of it. Well with it's well of its time because I'm gonna. I, I hope Max isn't listening to this because I know he loves James Bond as much as me. But I found it a real slog to watch this this time. Now it's on for an hour and fifty. I was really looking forward to it. Um, all the iconic moments, like I remember as a kid, even the laser stuff, and we'll talk about that in between these bollocks and all that stuff. I thought it was rubbish. I think Goldfinger's shit, and I think. <gasps> the, the, the whole idea, the whole idea of like bonding this, he just nails anything with a pulse, doesn't he? He's absolutely like, as a kid, he was just a hero because he was just getting these beautiful women. And that Jill is beautiful, Dave. But yeah, all of them. I, well, but she's beautiful and pussy galore, obviously. But, but I. I I really struggled with this and I didn't think I would. I honestly thought I'm going to love this and I found it shit. I really did find bits of it a real drag because Sean Connery's just walking around after Goldfinger fucking holding his pocket like he's in fucking jail and he's in bitch. It's proper weird. It's fucking fluffing him up. isn't even a word. <laughs> you know, I think <laughs> I, I went in kind of expecting it to be a bit silly. I was expecting some of it to not age very well. And I think for that reason, I probably enjoyed it a bit more than you did because I expected, you know, it to be like this. Whereas I, I think when we mentioned about what we were doing next week on the last week's episode, you were like, oh, don't you dare slate it. I know, I know, I know. And it's me. I've got to be honest all day, I can't lie. I just, it, it, it was just a struggle. It fucking was a struggle, and I can't believe I'm saying it about James Bond. I, I want to punch myself for even saying it. I, I think I think you need to question, you know, how much you love, how much you actually love James Bond, and how much you love the idea of James Bond. But um, let, let's let's get into it because I tell you what I enjoyed about this, Chris. I, at the start, is there's no slow start to the movie. It's like. It's like you're watching the end of the previous movie at the start of the yeah. movie. So you get the action to start off with, you know. So he's he's got this whole... He's blowing up this whole drug lab. And you're like, well, what is this mission? And you get immersed into this spy world. And it's just like, you know, James Bond is just doing this back to back. He's just constantly... Like, he doesn't do holidays or anything. He, he's just constantly going from one mission to the next. 
and and we just we're just catching the tail end of this uh, uh, this previous mission. And I think that you know even the more recent bonds, that's what they do, isn't it? And that's a, a great way to just immerse you straight away into that James Bond world. I, I think, and you know, it was right here in Goldfinger, you know, in 1964. So I, a lot of things have changed with Bond, but I thought that was that was pretty interesting there. But what I found hilarious, I have to say, Chris, and I did find many things about this hilarious, is you get the belly dancer. And she's got the ump because, you know, when Bond's uh, explosions go off, you know, she, all the punters leg it, you know, and, and go and see. And he's just casually like strolling around. So he goes to see her. And then uh, she's like, oh, your, your gun's hurting me, sort of thing. So take your gun off. And then it's when he sees the reflection of an assassin in her eyeball. <laughs> and I was like, oh, that is. <laughs> <laughs> but they they did this in Austin Powers. They did the exact in the second one. They did the exact same thing. And in Austin Powers, a guy throws a fucking knife at Austin, and he gets the girl, and he he twists round and puts the girl. So the girl takes the knife in the back. It's a knife. Yeah. <laughs> Here. he does he does it he literally he's gonna get whacked on the head so he gets the girl and uses her as a shield so she takes shield. the full force <laughs> yeah she i was pissing myself she takes the force and then one of the worst fights you've ever seen oh, again like God, real yeah, yeah. it's like fucking acrobatics isn't it like why when you were fighting as a kid me and my brothers would always do wrestling and that, and we'd play acts until somebody got a bit rough, and then it'd just be fucking gloves come off, and everyone just starts kicking the shit out of everyone. But that, it was like the play acts. I mean, Connery's doing roly polies, <laughs> that guy's there. And then as he picks the gun up, Connery's got enough time, or James, sorry, to look around and go, I'll throw some fucking electric in there, which is <laughs> coming later on, Dave. You know what I mean? Like, you know, it's a bit dangerous having electricity on near a bath, which is full, by the way. But. It's James Bond 101. I mean, I, I must admit, I love Dr. No, right? And there's a bit in Dr. No at the start where he's in, like, the Caribbean or wherever he is. And obviously, Sean Connery's wearing a fucking Irish jig in this one, Dave. It's a classic wig. And, you know, I, I've actually said to you, Anna, we've, we've been watching Cobra Kai and fucking Ralph Macchio's wig <laughs> is horrendous. It's absolutely horrendous. Unbelievable. That's made more of a comeback than the fucking show, his fucking jig. But but <laughs> genuinely, there's a bit in Doctor Nowhere. He's leaving his room and he's got like them white doors, like them white slated slatted doors. And he pulls one of his hairs out and licks it and puts it across the door frame. So when he comes back in the room, he sees the hair's got to know someone's in the cupboard. And it's that sort of thing with James Bond. Wherever he stays, he always has somebody attack him in the hotel room, Dave. They get in and just start nailing him. And he always ends up killing him with some one-liner. But I'm with you. These bits in it that are good, there is bits. It's not horrendous, but the bits that are ponderous was a real struggle. And I think... You're right, it starts really well. It almost starts like what the Daniel Craig stuff does. Mm. So obviously they're copying this, but there's no real backstory. We're just straight in. You're going after Goldfinger. And then what bugs me is, though, when obviously he kills that guy and you've got that, and he's meeting Q and uh, meeting M and they're having this meal and everything and they're talking about it all and what they're going to do with Felix and that. And then he goes to see Q, which I always love Q Day. The Q sec sections in all of James Bond movies are brilliant. Even the new lad's brilliant, the one who's Paddington Bear, absolutely brilliant. 
I love all of them, the stupidness, you know, that one, is that one, I think it's Roger Moore, where the cast, I think we did it in Pure Eyes Only, where the cast smashes the face off and all this. Yeah, yeah. really bizarre things that they do. I love all that. And I love the, the toys he gets for the cars and everything. But it's when he meets Goldfinger properly, and obviously Odd Jobs takes him out, and they end up going to the golf. Now, I always love the Irish no, 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 cab- You can't just miss out the whole fucking... W- Woman painted gold thing, the most iconic scene oh, yeah. in the Sorry, whole damn yeah. movie. Jumping a bit there, I'm jumping <laughs> okay. there, aren't I? But yeah, the, 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 so the gold bit we said it before, I was fascinated by that as a kid, Dave. I don't know about you, and you said it. I was absolutely blown away. I just couldn't get my head around what they'd done. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, you you get to meet Goldfinger, don't you? And he's got the old fucking hearing aid there. And again, I think the dialogue is is written quite well i mean it's like oh you know can i have my favorite seat nothing suspicious about that at all and it's like oh goldfinger you always want your favorite seat and that and it's it's the fact that james bond wanders up and he asks the maid you know is this or at goldfinger's place yeah yeah and he just literally grabs the fucking key and opens the door and then she's like oh well that was a bit weird and then goes on about her maidly duties and carries on as if nothing's happened and then he he gets to meet uh jill masterson doesn't he and again he turns the charm on so he's being asked to spy on goldfinger and just watch him because they know that he's smuggling gold but they don't know how he's doing it so they need james to you know see what he's doing there but james decides to just start fucking with him <laughs> he's like he knows he's cheating so he's like he's going to twist the knife in so you know he's turning the radio off and doing a bit of smoozing with jill and then you know he's telling him you know he needs to lose and what have you he is absolutely poking the bear and gotta say it chris not very good at his fucking job <laughs> because he's supposed to be a spy and just collect information and he just can't help himself and then not only does he uh use his manly charms on jill but he nails her in fucking goldfinger's pad and now yeah. If you're going to poke the bear, fuck me. He Literally. could not have done... <laughs> <laughs> he could not have done any more <laughs> to send Jill to her fucking gold grave. It was yeah. just an unbelievable uh, setup for it. But I just thought, fucking hell, James, you absolute twat. Yeah, again. And, and you know what, Dave? I loved Odd Jobs. Odd Jobs probably the most... Uh, symbolic baddie. You've got Jaws. For me, probably Jaws, but for, for the whole James Bond franchise, everybody always says odd job, don't they? You've got Blofeld, you've got Jaws. They're really... I mean, you've got Mr. Scaramanga, the man with a golden gun, but the, he's in one movie. Odd job is, but for some reason, the hat had been overplayed and overplayed. And I remember Mr. Fuji, because the guy who plays odd job was actually a wrestler. Mr. Fuji... From the WWF day was a wrestler and he had the same outfit on his odd job. Then he was Asian, mm. he had the, the bowler hat, everything. It was an absolute rip-off of odd job. But when I when I remember as a kid, I used to think, oh my, he's the toughest guy ever. And obviously Sean Connery is six two, six three here. He's a big guy, Sean Connery. He's always been tall. He looks good, he's he's in good shape because Sean Connery was actually a bodybuilder before he, he became was. An he? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So so he he'd he'd done a few things. He was always in good shape. And 
Oh, Chubb's just a fucking stocky little midget, Dave. I'm sorry. He's not even fucking tough now. Now I see it and the idea of the hat. So they go play golf. I love the Irish caddy when he's nicking, the, the odd job's got the ball and he throws it down his pants, the Slazinger one. And I always love that little scene because the Irish guy's like, oh, he goes, well, I'm stuck. And James was like, well, I'm stuck on the ball. And they take the piss, don't they? And at the end, he's like, actually, it's the wrong ball, that. So you've lost the game because Goldfinger had won it. Takes the thing off and you get that famous scene where he's like, I don't know what they're going to, the, the, the commission, committee you're going to say. And he's like, well, I own the golf club or whatever he says. That's so iconic. But in the context of watching it now, it's like he throws a bowl of hat and you can see him telegraphing it from fucking three days earlier. You can see when he's going to throw it. I think pretty much you could get out of the way. But as a kid, I was blown away by our job. I thought he's an absolute nails. He's one of the toughest baddies baddies ever you know, the hat everything but when i watch it now i was like it's pretty shit really isn't it no fuck off <laughs> and he's not a fucking midget he's five foot eight which is not midget <laughs> <laughs> maybe it's a thing before i say anything dave <laughs> he may like me and you fighting won't it really so he's played by harold uh Sicata. And he's actually from Hawaii, but because he's got that kind of ethnic look. And, and like you say, he was a wrestler. I'm sure, didn't, didn't we see that Like he ended up in jail for murder or something? Yes, well, there was something really bad about it. Only recently, I think, Dave, as well. Yeah, no, no, oh, what, what was, was it? Him? The Austin Powers guy. No, it's Austin Powers guy. Yeah, wasn't that was guy it. Yeah, 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 Sorry, yeah. you're right. Yeah, he was an Olympic weightlifter, wasn't he, as well? Um but he was Japanese descent, but you're right. Because remember in the wrestling, they did it with Yokozuna, didn't they? It was the Japanese wrestler, the big guy who used to sit on everyone, do bonsai. He was mm. from Hawaii. He's a relation of The Rock. He's not even fucking Japanese, but the wrestler, WWF used to play on that because he had yeah, an Asian yeah. look about him. And he wasn't even fucking Asian, but yeah, he, he was he was legendary, Dave. I've got to say, Harold Sakata as an uh, odd job, one iconic movie characters without a doubt i can't knock him for that yeah and they play him as korean which i thought was an interesting choice chris i went on a weird rabbit hole over the holidays so for a while i i've understood that the korean war i know very little about or knew very little about and because when we were growing up in the 80s all the movies and everything were about the um uh, the vietnam war weren't they and yeah you know, you kind of had in First Blood, you had uh, Stallone, you had John Rambo, and then what was the what was the guy, fucking Dennehy, uh, the Brian guy Dennehy. Brian Dennehy's yeah. the the actor, but I can't remember his his character's name. But he'd been across in the Korean War, and that was like seen as the Forgotten War. But the Korean War was like 1950 to 1953. So if you think this is made in '64. That's still quite fresh. That That's your most recent world conflict. And it was a proper world conflict as well. You know, you had all the allies. You had the US, the the, uh, the UK, Australia and what have you. And then, then on the North Korean side, you had the Russians, uh, well, to a lesser extent. And then you had the Chinese backing up the North Koreans. So... I, I just it's just a massive coincidence that the fact that Odd Jobs Korean... I'd just literally been watching all these documentaries over the holidays to, to learn a bit more about this war, and I just thought, ah, this this is 
really smart, you know, because it, and, it, and it would have been really topical at the time, you know, because part of Goldfinger's plan later is to disrupt the whole uh, econ- world economy and basically sided with the, the communist Chinese. Weird, isn't it? Very political, yeah. Dave, because even Goldfinger... Obviously, you've got the Nazi gold, aren't you, and everything? Yeah. yeah, So I know this was like 18, 19 years after the end of World War II, but it was stuff that in movies and that they play. I mean, I was watching someone the other day, and someone, oh, I'll tell you what it was. It was, in fact, you would know this. So so we've both started watching the US office, haven't we? Mm. And there's a bit where (laughs) fucking Michael starts talking about different people and, and he does that diversity then he says we're not doing Arabs because it's too soon and it's like three or four years after 9-11 and it's like holy shit but even then you know when there's an atrocity Dave that some fucking Hollywood producers sat there going I'm going to write a script now for this straight mm. away it's all all unfolded on me we've seen so many movies of 9-11 and I'm sure at some point there's going to be a proper blockbuster made of it because that's what Hollywood does doesn't it so you're right he's clever how they bring things in. I mean, you watch Rambo Free, and he's against the Russians and his fucking allies are the Taliban. And mm. They won't play that anywhere now. They won't even acknowledge that movie now. Yeah. Because of because of who he's so so he's it's a great spot that day. I've never I've never even looked into the Korean conflict or anything. I think my granddad should have gone. He was in World War Two and then he, he came out, went in the TA and then there was a chance for him to actually go and he never went, I think. Mm. It's probably a good thing. So yeah. Interesting, interesting story. It, it was. I mean, we won't take up too much airtime, but it is genuinely interesting because it, it kicked off in nineteen fifty. And if you think about it, the Second World War only finished in nineteen forty five. So there wasn't that much time. And and the big problem was after the Second World War we said Right, okay, so Russia, you look after North Korea, you know, you look after that bit, and then America will will look after the South. Yep, that ended up well. Um, (laughs) So, uh, but for me, Chris, this whole iconic scene with uh, Jill Masterson, you know, she's covered in gold, she's been killed in an excruciating way because her skin has suffocated her to death. For me, this is the moment where you think, Right, this is not this is not serious. You know, this is this is playing by different rules. This is not a genuine gritty spy thriller. This is a little bit silly. And again, it's done in a very subtle way, but I I think this is the moment where you think cuz you think Goldfinger, he's just been fucking bested by uh, by James Bond. He's made him lose. He hates losing. He's a massive gambler, but hates losing. So he's made him lose, and he's also nailed the girl that he's hired, you know, to, to do his spying, but, you know, uh, probably has the eye for her as well. And rather than just putting a bullet in her head, he paints her gold. <laughs> <laughs> and again, I, I remember wondering, I get... As a kid, could this actually happen? Now, it, it can't. This isn't a thing. Um, but I remember thinking at the time, you know, it, it was done. But, you know, it was killing her in a very sexy way. Now, it doesn't stand up to any kind of feminist yardstick or, dare I say, gold standard. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I, I just think, for me, this was the moment watching it this time where I was like, oh... It's playing up 
the the tropes and i know austin powers kind of took those things and made more of a parody but it wasn't as if austin powers was taking something really serious and just completely making fun out of it it just it just made it a little bit more silly you know it accentuated the silliness of it rather than just creating it out of nothing yeah, and I think you're right. I think every James Bond, even the Daniel Craig stuff, you've got that absolutely leap, haven't you, from reality. Mm. The Daniel Craig stuff's probably the most gritty. Pierce Brosnan was just an extension of Roger Moore, and I think Timothy Dalton was very similar to Sean Connery, wasn't he, mm. you know, in, in his two movies. But it, it's funny because you've always got that, like, super weapon or that there's something going to destroy the world. And, and, and the premise of this is with him... <laughs> turning him gold and everything's gold he's gone everything it's it's bizarre with his, him because his pajamas or his slacks his, that oh his I you, when he's wearing his like gold slacks down at the beach or, or rather pool i tell you what chris I, I don't know if maybe we were watching this on video you it would be more forgiving but by christ it is so obvious that it's <laughs> they're not actually in miami they're just on a. They've got a backdrop behind them. Did you notice that? Yes. Yeah. Oh, fucking <laughs> hell! So yeah, the whole movie, blatant, wasn't it? <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's fucking brilliant, Dave. And we we fell for it. I mean, I've we you've done the same. I've been watching Cobra Kai, the season four, mm. and th- there's a couple of scenes there where they're using the fucking. I'm driving a car, but I'm really not. Because <laughs> the way they talk to each other always fascinates me. When someone's actually driving. And they're filming a scene. Sometimes they're on the back of a car, aren't they, on a trailer? Because they have all the cameras on the light. Mm-hmm. And, so and they're on a proper road. Someone's driving. So it looks more realistic. When you've got that green screen stuff in the, you know, and it always was some of the, in the background. You've seen the A-team and things like that. And, you, and someone's like rocking the, the vehicle, aren't they? Like they're all fucking moving along the street. It's terrible. I mean, after this, obviously... You know, he goes to the golf thing, as I said before, it throws this Nazi golf thing down, a goal down, bets him, says you've cheated. Odd job then does the thing, as I said before. But then you've got this Tilly, who, who's the sister of Jill. She's in a Mustang, Dave. How the fuck she's got a left-hand drive American Mustang yeah. in fucking Switzerland or wherever they're supposed to be. And then she's racing with James, and then he's a crack shot, Dave. Absolute crack shot. I'm not saying that lady can't be a crack shot, but she's pretty much trying to take Goldfinger out. And then they sort of team she's up. She's a terrible again, shot, though, isn't she? Yeah, I mean, it's, really, it's nearly James. Yeah, yeah. It's ridiculous, though, because, again, he's not very stealthy, is he? You've got Goldfinger, and he's buying, is, is he buying fruit or something? You know, and then up yeah. on the hill, you've got James completely silhouetted himself (laughs) and then she's up higher on the hill isn't she she's obviously trying to shoot goldfinger apparently and doesn't notice that james is stood right fucking there (laughs) so i don't know it was just it was a bit of a stretch but not as much of a stretch as when he gets the you know the uh, uh i mean the fucking db5 chris was was gorgeous but it, it has the uh little spike thing you know to to mangle her tires <laughs> and it comes out <laughs> and he's like oh wow a double blowout and it's like can you not see the mangled metal <laughs> you know it's <laughs> like does she actually buy this thing or what 
So yeah, again though, just brilliantly brilliant nonsense. Yeah, it was brilliant nonsense. And I've got to say, Dave, up to this point, I am enjoying the f- the, the film as well. There's some bits was like aged terribly. But when Sean or James Bond becomes fucking Goldfinger's best pal and he's just taking him along, like the old classic, I'm going to show you how I'm going to destroy the world just in case you wanted to see how you can stop it, James. And he's there in a full suit. They imprison him. He gets out of a suit. He's walking around. I mean, the scene at the actual compound always pisses me off when he's in the DB5 and obviously she Tilly ends up taking the hat from... Odd job. And then he, it's the bit where he's going towards the mirror. And even as a kid, I never understood the logic of that. You know, when he ends up yeah. going into the wall. Yeah, because he used yeah. to think, well, I don't get it. I don't understand what how he would not know that that's a mirror. And then he's firing the guns at it and all that. It always, as a kid, which was just off for me. I just, even then, and I, you know me, I'm not the greatest of person for, I dive in there, don't I, with my, without sort of taking a breath or, or taking a step back and going, Oh, that could have worked. Even now watching, now I was like, that just doesn't make any sense. However... Well, he thinks it's a car coming the other way and shooting at him. I know, but he's the fucking master spy, Dave, of the world, the greatest spy. But he's and not, he gets he's gone over by a mirror. <laughs> yeah, no, but in the, in the context of the movie, James Bond yeah. is the best spy in the world, <laughs> and he gets done by a fucking mirror, you know what I mean? Like a fucking 299 mirror, and he ends up fucking going into a wall. But, but however... One of the more iconic scenes from this movie, which I think is as iconic as Odd Jobs Hat and all that, is the laser one for me, Dave. Yeah. That, that, that has been, re- I mean, Austin Powers did the same thing, but he's been replayed in so many movies, so many parodies. It's just iconic for this film. And Sean Connery, like, literally, that laser has got his fucking nuts there, Dave. But for some reason, it hasn't, and he gets out of it. I always used to, even watching it this time, I'm still fucking anxious, going, oh, my God, it's going to get him. It's stupid, I know. It does play up the tension quite well, doesn't it? And, yes. you know, you talk about James Bond DNA. It's all here. And I tell you what, if you were to package this up in terms of, like, match-of-the-day highlights, you know, so we've gone through the movie and watched the full match you could just pick out the highlights and just basically introduce it to someone who's never seen James Bond before. And basically, in less than 20 minutes, you could package those highlights and say, look, here you go. Here's the DNA of James Bond. And that laser, you know, he gets out of it. And I think it's a bit of a stretch, but it's not a massive stretch. So he, he basically says, James Bond is talking about Operation Grand Slam, and he's saying he knows all about it, and, you know, if, if you kill me, uh, 008 is waiting in the wings, and then, you know, the stakes will be ramped up. So, you know, if you keep me alive, though, you can keep me alive until you execute your dastardly plan, and then uh, we'll be sweet. So it's a bit of a stretch, but I think it's... It's on the believable scale. It's just stretched a bit. I I never... uh, Watching as a kid, you don't... It's weird. You don't listen to that much of the dialogue and what they're saying. You just see that, well, James has convinced him not to kill him. But um, it's it's the line, though, isn't it? It's the iconic line. Do you expect me to talk? No, Mr. Bond, I expect you to die. (laughs) It's just, I was like, Dr. Evil, that's where Dr. Evil came from, surely. Um, 
I, I just think it's such an iconic line and, and absolutely brilliantly executed. Yeah, I do. Sorry, Dave, before you can say something. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Brilliant. But no, you're right. It, it, it's funny because there's such scenes in this, and I think that's where the nostalgia kicks in for me. The nostalgic bits that I know and love still hold up, but everything else about the movie just falls apart. I'm gutted to be saying that. And I... You know, we've, we've done Roger Moore, we did For Your Eyes Only, and I know of like, what I do a view to a kill at some point, that's one of my favourite Roger Moore ones as well. I'm hoping they still stand up, but this just, it just felt weird because James Bond is just following him round. He's not like, he, he tries to make yeah. a go for it every now and again. But, he's, I mean, we get Pussy Galore as well, which, you know, <laughs> absolutely, Honor Blackman is beautiful, Dave. Yeah, you know, she, yeah. she was in Avengers, she's beautiful. I've been reading up the stuff that it's saying about double entendres and everything and how they had to schmooze the American film board because they were Republicans and all this and could take them out for dinner so they could keep the name but he never kept it in the promotions and all that so what a name pussy galore and again that has been fucking ripped so many times because at one point fucking John Connery goes okay pussy and I'm thinking fuck off Dave in the 60s people have been pissing themselves at the cinema fucking I mean later you have octopussy don't you yeah yeah octopussy (laughs) playing it up but um no, it's oh, it's it's just fantastic, isn't it? And again, you think watching it now, you think straight to Austin Powers, Austin Powers, don't you? Where it's like, my name is Halotta, Halotta Vagina, Vagina, yeah, <laughs> same thing in it. It's all fucking and and you know what? We've done this in the wrong way round, haven't we? Because we should have done this first before we did Austin Powers, because there is that thing in my head where you're like, oh yeah, that's just. Austin Powers has just taken the piss out of that. And I think because we enjoyed Austin Powers, and that's when I did my heel turn, Dave, as well, as you know, because I, yeah, I remember pretending I hated it. I'm not <laughs> doing that on this one. I, I promise you I'm not. But but no, it, it's a shame because it, it's still iconic. There's some amazing bits in it. And I think with Goldfinger, you know what? You know, when I watched it as a kid, and I'll, I'll say this now, odd job I always believed. I was always scared of him as a kid, thinking, oh, he's a right bastard. But Goldfinger always felt like he should have been off the set of Willy Wonka. I never, he always felt like, you know, Augustus Glute's dad or something. <laughs> Honestly, as a kid, he used to think of them stupid pants he wears when he wears goes golf. And I know Payne Stewart used to wear them years ago, God, God rest his soul. He used to wear them sort of pants. That's what everyone wore, Jack Nicholas, Arnold Palmer, they wore them sort of outfits. But he just never gets me as like the big bad odd job does, but he's just... It's just nothing scary about him. And, he, and like you said about the sort of lightheartedness, he is a cartoon character of a baddie, really, whereas Oddjob is the man, really, I suppose. You can, you can, as much as I've slated him, I always believed as a kid that if I run into him in the street, he'd kill me with a bear hug or something. You know, he was a movie. <laughs> but he just doesn't do it for me, Goldfinger, at all. He really, really doesn't. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I think both are, are pretty good. I, I understand what you mean, and, and it, d- it does seem a little bit fattest, Chris, because he is a bit portly, isn't he? <laughs> and that's that's why, you know, he's an old fat guy. It's like, oh, fuck off. You you can't go up against our dashing hero, surely, Sean Connery. And I have to say, Chris, <laughs> Sean Connery, fucking hell, he does look good in that suit, doesn't he? I mean, he's, hey. he's swanning around, but no, I'm I'm. T- season about the the portly thing but he was um 
I don't know. I, I think... <laughs> I didn't say that. But, uh, I mean, he was 51 in this, but, I mean, he looks he looks older than that. Especially, yeah. Chris, not that much older than you and I. Um, <laughs> You'll be there before me. I'm closer, <laughs> I'm closer for sure. But, um, yeah, I, I, I'm conflicted because... I don't know if you'd have played him off like someone who had the same body type as Sean Connery. Would that have been better? I don't know. At the end of the day, Chris, Goldfinger has got James Bond on a fucking leash for about half of this movie. Yeah. So through the, you know, seduction of Jill Masterson, through the golf game, you know, James is constantly just prodding Goldfinger and then he's got him on a leash and he's just following Goldfinger around for about half the movie then yes. so obviously yeah. we know it goes south in the end but I can't think of many other Bond villains who've you know completely neutered him for this length of time yeah that, and you know what that's a that's a different angle and a good point to be fair Dave I've not looked at it that way but I, yeah you, you're actually right maybe it is that I can't just go... I mean, it's only the third movie Sean Connery did as Bond, but however, I'm with you on that. I think that's a very good point. He, he, maybe I'm looking at it from the wrong way because I'm looking at the physical aspect of it, even though he does give him a bit of a good kick in at the end on the plane, which is ridiculous because he's got a <laughs> job that, who obviously at this point, he isn't in the movie. But yeah, I mean, you said to me about... And you're right. When you watch these old James Bond stuff, and I know a lot of women don't like him for obvious reasons because he's very chauvinistic... When Connery gets all the pussy galore, Dave, it's a bit uncomfortable that, just a fucking bit, and when he gets her in the barn, they have a bit of judo, and the, Honor Blackman did judo, mm, so they yeah, wanted yeah. To, to showcase it, she was an expert, and that's why they've got like Connery doing these flips and everything, and then he sort of gets a bit, but he literally just fucking jumps on her, doesn't he, and says, well, you are going to kiss me, and then the next minute, she, she succumbs to his fucking charms, well... In 2021, that's a fucking Me Too movement, mate. You're getting cancelled. So I, some of these bits with the women do not hold up for me at all. I think what's... And, and look, this film is nearly 60 years old now. And it, yes, it's an interesting time capsule to go back. Because this... I, I'm not going to mark the movie down for this scene. But it did f fucking really jar with me. And it was like, fucking hell, I think we're watching a rape here. Now, yeah. in the book, Pussy Galore is a lesbian. Now, yeah. it's not talked about explicitly here, but she does say that she's immune to James's charms. And I don't know if that's like a little nod to the book. You know, she's immune to his charms because she's not a heterosexual woman. But basically, he just fucking sticks it on her. He pins her down. And then eventually she succumbs, and it's like, fucking hell, what a lesson to cinema goers, you know? <laughs> it's really fucking uncomfortable. But not only that, Chris, I think we have seen the first X-Man in cinema at this time, because James Bond has a magical penis, <laughs> because not only <laughs> can he turn her from being lesbian, and, you know, being completely allied to Goldfinger. After a good scene two, she completely allies herself to James Bond there. Now, that is not just a good shagging. That is powers of persuasion through a magical <laughs> James Bond dong. <laughs> and, that, and that's like the thing, isn't it, though? James Bond could do anything. He could turn people who are not... <laughs> 
<laughs> heterosexual, <laughs> turn him heterosexual just by his powers. I mean, Connery overpowers her and eventually she succumbs, doesn't she? But that's, and, and Dave, he's not the only one, you know, it's not Sean Connery, sorry, James Bond, the character is playing a part, but that that happened a lot, you're right, yeah. in 60s and 70s movies where the woman would say no, but the guy would be persistent. Then all of a sudden it was like, oh, you were playing with me all along and then they fall into each other's arms. But that's not how things happen. You're getting fucking done for it now and quite rightly for stuff like that. But we grew up watching movies where it was just all about women flashing the fucking boobs. It was all about sex cells. One, the bloke was always the domineering one. It's, it's, it's an, in, and you're right, yeah. he's 60 years old. I'm not, I'm not shitting on the movie because it's 60 years old, but that's how women were perceived in Hollywood for so long. And you listen to the music. The music's all like, initially when he flips her over, you know, it's, it's almost like carry on music. It's, it's playful accompanying music. And then when he's fucking forcing himself on her, it's played as all this like loving music. Yeah. I, I was just, I had to go back and rewind it. And I was like, did I just fucking see that? And again, we don't often go quite this far back, do we? And it was just, like I say, I'm not going to mark it down for this. It's not the only movie that was like this, you know, but fucking hell. It just, it, it actually makes me appreciate a little bit that we have come, you know, a, a fair way from this. Yeah, and, and even one of my greatest films, Smoking the Bandit, Dave, the women in that are basically, you know, the girls in the Lamborghini just pull the tops down and they got off of a speeding fine because the coppers are fucking all lecherous fuckers, aren't they? You know, all the women in that fire force. Do you not think that, that that's different though, isn't it? So so in that case, the, the, the women are empowered. They're using their womanly curves to get away with it and the men are the fucking idiots there. That's different yes. to James, like fucking... <laughs> Forcing himself on a lesbian and then using his magical dong to to convince her to. Well, I don't know magical what her eco- I don't know what her economic situation was, but I would imagine she would get pretty handsomely paid by Goldfinger for you know leading this uh, legion of ladies and and the the man- and the flying circus, you know to to. Uh, distribute all this knockout gas and everything. She would have been paid pretty damn well, Chris. And she's given all of that up because James Bond is just the best shag in the world. Yeah, and that's true because I was going to say I love that, the fucking best dong. He, he, he <laughs> Basically, King Dong has not only turned her fucking heterosexual, but he's actually turned her from being a baddie to a goodie yeah. because he's basically, <laughs> I'm going to say this, this is so bad, but he's basically injected her with his own fucking good serum, Dave. His that's own, su- and gone. Uh, his super, own super, super serum is the super special serum. fucking super se- semen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Faster than a speeding bullet, but all of a sudden, She's had this come to Jesus moment. And go, you know what? He's a bastard, Goldfinger. I'm going to help James Bond. It's the leap from there, from where she is to that moment, and then it ruins fucking Goldfinger's plan because they all pretend they're knocked out, don't they? And the vehicles are overturning. They're at Fort Knox, and it was all a fucking a ruse all along. One, it? it wasn't deadly knockout gas. It's, it's. I love the bit though when they're going over the, the base. And there's about 30 soldiers doing a walk and they're all on parade. And then they all collapse. But some of them collapse the wrong way and sort of fall into each other. It's really... Before the before it's even hit them, they've hit the deck, Dave. You know, I, I forgot the twist 
here. In fact, I've, I forgot a lot of it. You know, like I say, I'd, I'd remember the highlights, the match of the day highlights, but forgotten a lot of the stuff about the plan. I have to say, I, I quite like that plan. I mean, I don't think it'd work now, but, you know, to everyone thinks like he's just going to steal the gold, but actually he's going to irradiate it. So it's completely unusable. And so it would throw the world economy into, you know, disarray because all of the the other gold that's not irradiated suddenly becomes a lot more valuable. And that's what Goldfinger has. And, you know, he's, he's um, kind of teamed up with the Chinese there. I think that sort of takes it from Goldfinger, you know, he's just a local gold smuggler, you know, so it's pretty small scale stuff to this guy is going to, cause havoc with the global economy and then uh, you know for me I, I i i there's something about that dastardly james bond villain plan that i really like and it, it just again it's it's just all part of the james bond dna but what you're saying about people falling into each other when the gas came i thought god these these are the worst i, I don't even know if they'd have been act- actors you know probably extras and it's just like right on three fall down and they they all fell yeah. you know and and cushion the the fall and what have you but the fact that you find out well they were faking it made me uh, when i found out that i was like ah oh, so it makes sense that they all fell down fairly unconvincingly <laughs> you keep telling yourself that day. no it, you it was <laughs> you know because if you if you were part of this plan you know, you're not just going to face plant the floor, are you, for, for good dramatic effect? <laughs> well, <laughs> you know? that's true, actually. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I think as it comes to that, obviously, James is like, you know, he's got the, again, he's not, he's being followed by odd job and he's got Goldfinger, but he lets them handcuff him to the bomb. He's there with the bomb. And then the guy who takes the key, Looks at, look, takes the key, but smugly sort of side eyes the cameras as if to say, I'm putting the key in this top pocket here. <laughs> yeah. I wonder whether this will come in handy later. <laughs> and obviously he ends up getting taken out. And then odd job, he's running down the stairs. Why the hell he doesn't just throw the hat at James? There's about four <laughs> times where he could throw the hat where James yeah, is trying yeah. to get free of the bomb. And he gets the key off the fucking guard who, t- who chained him up. And, he's, and then he does throw it, but because he's so telegraphed, but the fight is terrible. I mean, and not for odd job, because he's a wrestler. He does all the right stuff for Connery. There's a bit where he pushes Sean Connery, and he, he he steps about four steps, and he does a Ric Flair. Ric Flair's famous fall was he would get smacked, and then he'd, all of a sudden he'd walk about five steps and just face plant. And he's a bit there where he does the same. But Sean does the same thing he does at the start with the bath, and eventually when odd job's giving him a kick in, he does actually electrocute him. Same scenario because the hat's on the on the mm. bars, and he gets it on. Again, it was the only way our job was going to be defeated by something like that because he just couldn't. Because he was a bit where the gold's there, and then all of a sudden, fucking James pulls out like a paddle from nowhere behind the back of the gold and starts whacking him with it. And I'm like, well, where's that come from? And he smashes <laughs> it in half and all that. But. It just plays, but as a kid, I was petrified of Odd Job Dave. I mean, when Jaws came along, he overtook him because I was—I yeah. I fucking was petrified of Jaws. That one in, I think it's the spy who loved me, when he's fighting Roger Moore's characters fighting against Jaws in like the desert, and he picks up that Sherpa van 
as, and James Bond's trying to get away in like that deli- the old style like transit Sherpa van and he lifts it up and I was petrified of him I used to think oh my god that guy would just kill you and Oddjob was the man then Dave before that he was mm. always Oddjob like oh he's a bastard but what's in it now it's of its time the choreography's probably Sean Connery's just gone right we're going to do this we're going to roll around a bit there you go but again it's iconic, Dave. It is iconic, this fight. Whatever I think of it, I still remember it so well. Yeah, I mean, stunt choreography has come a massively long way, hasn't it? Yes. It's not exactly fucking Daredevil or something, this, is it? But I don't know. I, I, I still think Oddjob has that ominous presence. He is physically more imposing than James. And basically, like you say, the only way James could take him out was by, you know, electrocuting him. In a one-to-one fight, James has got no chance. And so I, I like the fact that they took him out like that. And um, was it... I'm trying to think which bit it was now. The bit that tickled me was when James is in the prison and then he's got the guard facing him. And he's just kind of... He's pulling faces and then he disappears down out of view... Do you know what I mean? And then no. the guard, he's looking at him, and James is kind of like, he's playing a game of like hide and seek or something. And then he disappears down out of view. And the guard's like, oh, I wonder where he's gone. I best go and investigate. And then he goes into the, uh, into the jail cell, and James is up on the roof. <laughs> he's, he's sort of holding himself above the door frame. And then he drops on the on the guard. Did you not see that bit? No, no. <laughs> I'll try and that. I'll try and find where it is, but it it's just ridiculous because like there is no need need for that guard to actually go in and see where James is. He's in a fucking jail cell, and the fact that he's playing hide and seek with him is <laughs> just utter nonsense. But uh, I, I'll try and dig out whereabouts that, that bit is. You'll have to send it me. I'll tell you what is nonsense, though, Dave. So at the end, James gets the big send-off, doesn't he, on the private jet. It's all like, thanks very much. You've saved the world yet again with 10 seconds to go or whatever it is. What a guy. And then I, th- he's I think on the it was private- seven seconds. Seven, it yeah. was 007, it was, wasn't it? Sorry, yeah, it was it was close to the bone. And then we get Goldfinger pulls the curtain back in true James Bond style, and he's there and starts having a fight <laughs> with his gold gun on a plane. <laughs> and what is ridiculous, and this is where the plot armor comes in, he go back and forth, and Goldfinger's giving a good account of himself. He's giving James a few slaps here and there, and then eventually the gun shoots the window. Sean Connery, James Bond. He's not going through that window, Dave. He's, he's no. fine. He's absolutely fine. <laughs> he's but made Goldfinger, of lead. <laughs> who, who, yeah, Goldfinger, who's about 18 stone, and he's a round guy. I've mentioned about the, the Willy Wonka <laughs> thing. He's almost like a big version of an Umpa Lumpa. He then decides to go through the window and get sucked. We don't decide. He gets sucked through it. But James then, because Pussy Galore's driving the plane at this point, she's pulling up. Now, we've said that she's already given the heads up to the US thingy was she bad again at this point no no she she was like playing a double agent wasn't she so she'd got the girls to to not use the poison gas the knockout gas so it was all fake uh but goldfinger didn't know that 
So, ah, so right, she was right. with so Goldfinger, gone, but she was still right. she was still influenced by the James's magical yeah. dong. <laughs> James and the magic, remember Jamie and the magic torch. James and the magical dong. Maybe we should have a cartoon on it. But, uh, but no, that fight is stupid. And then obviously the plane is once Goldfinger goes, he comes in. James, he's not even asked that the plane's hurtling towards the fucking ground. He's just dead cool. And we get the blip, and they get about a hundred fucking feet or whatever this this measurement is. It gets to like a hundred or seventy, and then we get the summit split off and I'm like there's no way they have run in the back that plane was hurtling towards the fucking ground or the sea and then obviously we get the usual situation Roger Moore did this a lot where he always ended up splitting off and having some girl didn't he in some like <laughs> capsule or yeah, yeah. some fucking desert island and he's slipping a one and Obviously, again, King Dong has now converted fucking pussy galore even more now, Dave. She's fucking all in on him. It's fucking James Bond. I mean, I love James Bond, but watching it, you're just like, fuck me, we would watch some shit when we were young. And the people in the 60s just lapped all this up, didn't they? Like I say, we, we haven't gone back this far uh, before, you know, just... Generally, you don't do you don't watch too many '60s movies. I mean, there's a, there's a couple of references to the Beatles. You know, you were pretty much at the height of Beatlemania in '64, weren't you? But James yeah. obviously wasn't a fan. He was talking about listening to the Beatles without earmuffs or something like that. He was talking about earlier on. But um, no, it's just like I say. I think in our minds, watching this as kids, you just you remember the highlights but you don't remember the whole film. You don't remember the fact that he's just following Goldfinger around for half the movie. The fact that there's all these quieter moments. You just remember the action scenes. You remember the, the iconic moments. And um, yeah, it, it, it was a bit different going back and watching the full thing this time. <laughs> it, yeah, it, well, and, look, and you're right. This is the furthest we've, we've gone back. And I was worried. And I've come away a bit worried thinking, oh, no. It's one of the movies I wish I'd never touched now, going back. Because it's still James Bond, but it is what it is. But anyway, Dave, shall we get into our review score? Let's go. I am intrigued, Chris. Fire away. <laughs> well, I obviously, as you know, I didn't enjoy it as much as I, I really thought I would. I loved this as a kid. Like I say, our job was always to stand out for me. And I always wasn't convinced by Goldfinger at all. But the girl in gold, Jill, Pussy Galore, the DB5, there's so many things that just mark it as class. And I think even, you know, Sean Connery's still good in it as James Bond. So what I'm thinking is, Dave... I can't shit on it. It's still an iconic movie, and this is the movie that set the standard for <laughs> you can't most shit of the on film. It. <laughs> You've been but shitting on it for about an yeah, hour. But, but, <laughs> what I mean is, just for, just for the nostalgia of it and what it means for later cinema and what Daniel Craig became, because he was more of a Sean Connery than, than any of the others, really. Obviously, Timothy Dalton touched on it, but I think he went Sean Connery and went further, and he, he is my favourite now, without a doubt. I'm going to put it in the middle, Dave. And send it to Hill Valley. It's still worth a watch, but the fact that he's just walking around after Goldfinger for nearly 45 minutes of the movie just doesn't settle with me now at all. There's loads of 
daytime soap fucking dialogue and bollocks. But the actual, when it gets going, there's still some good bits in there. You know what I mean? It is of its time, but but there's some iconic moments that you just cannot go past. So that's what I'm putting it, Dave. What about yourself? I don't think I'm a massive uh, distance from you. I, I just, I, I think I'm embracing more just the influence that this movie has clearly had. All of the James Bond DNA is there, good and bad. You know, I I know with um, Daniel Craig, they've obviously had to modernise James Bond. And Austin Powers to a a degree as well. You know, you you couldn't do James Bond in the same way. Because it's like everything would be a straight line back to Austin Powers. So... I just think you look at it. I mean, we haven't talked about the the soundtrack. I mean, this is the uh, one of the best James Bond themes, isn't it, for me? Um, And I just think the way Shirley Bassey belts that thing out. When we did the um, uh, the Roger Moore one, we were talking about Sheena Easton and the fact that it was it was a bit crap. But they don't come much better than this one, and also the one liners as well. Now, I, in my head, I, I didn't have, you know, uh, Sean Connery's James Bond down with the one-liners, but he, he puts out quite a few, doesn't he? He's talking about uh, Goldfinger playing his golden harp when Pussy Galore asks where he is. When Felix Leiter comes in, he's like, you know, where's your butler friend? And he's like, he blew a fuse. <laughs> you know, it's, it's like... Ah, so so even Arnie, you could say, you know, it, it must be directly influenced by these kind of action uh, movie one-liners and stuff. So I enjoyed it for the nonsense, to be honest, uh, a lot more than I did. The, the whole scene with Pussy Galore, fucking absolutely wrong, but, you know, it's, it's this time capsule of movies back in that day. So like I say, I'm not going to mark it down. Chris, I'm going to stick this in Pleasantville. I just think the the influence they had, and, and this must have exploded James Bond internationally. You know, like I say, making the equivalent of over a billion dollars. This would have been massive back in the day. And I just think you look at everything that's come after, and you know, it's it's got a lot to owe for, for this. And I think the fact that if you try and watch it as if it's serious, because as a kid, you don't question things, do you? You don't question, why has Goldfinger set up this office so that he presses a button to, you know, reveal this model of Fort Knox? But he's only ever going to use it once. He's literally got contractors in to <laughs> build this whole thing so he can wow these guys who he's going to kill later anyway. So you don't worry about that shit as a kid, whereas when you're older, you're burdened with, you know, practicalities. But I just think you've got to let go of that. And that's why I think James Bond, the people making this, they knew what they were doing. This is not that far from Adam West Batman, I don't think. So it's not quite as campy, but it's definitely fantastical. And I, I, I think the the killing of Jill Masterson by painting a gold as well is another nod you know it's another indication of it knowing what it is so yeah pleasantville for me chris well dave and i can't disagree with that i totally get it but we've mentioned about this being an iconic movie dave it's time my friend 
is my pick. <laughs> we have a movie that transcends the VHS Strikes Back multiverse. It's unbelievable how this has fell into our lap. It was purely done to wind you up, Dave. <laughs> it fell into our lap. Look. You went Googling for the worst martial arts movies that you could find. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't been fall a into of... your lap. Oh, look at this stop here. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. I'm building it up now. Stop it. So anyway, I may have looked for the 10 worst US fucking martial arts movies. This came in at second... I have never heard of this movie, and I'm, I'd love for anybody out there to say they've watched it. Um, this movie, right, stars Mr. Lou Ferrigno, and it also stars a guy called Red Brown. And there is a Comics in Motion link. We will talk about that when we actually do the episode. There is also, Dave, plenty of No Retreat, No Surrender uh, references in this movie. There's even a Die Hard reference. There's all sorts going on. Lethal this Weapon. Is the, lethal Weapon as well. This is the 1989 Lou Ferrigno movie, Cage. And here is the amazing trailer. Billy Thomas and Scott Monroe, two lifelong friends, are drawn into this secret world. Billy, how would you like to make a lot of money fighting? I don't like to fight. Where they uncover its corruption, expose its secrets, and their only way out is to fight for the greatest prize of all. This fight ain't gonna last long. Their lives. Lou Ferrigno. Rep Brown. You ain't gonna shoot a lady, are you, dickhead? Cage. Oh dear. Um Yeah. <laughs> I I just don't know what to say about that. But you know the the weird thing is, Chris, so I just googling for the same thing, I found the same ten, I think. And it's got honorable mention Street Fighter. Also honorable mention the two thousand ten karate kid, obviously that's a bit late for us. But yeah. then at 10, it has fucking Bloodsport. Then it has Best of the Best. Then Only the Strong. Then Kickboxer. I'm like, fuck you, whoever wrote this article. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, and, and that might actually be a bit of a nod to next week as well. Yeah. Dave, unbelievable. I cannot wait for everyone to watch this movie. And when we get talking about it, oh. It's almost, I've got to say, it's orgasmic. The way it just pulls some of the greatest martial arts movies ever, Dave, and some of the greatest action movies together is unbelievable. It was a complete fluke. 
But we have not heard the end of Cage, my friend. I cannot wait. <laughs> yeah, it's got a bit of that. Um, I can't remember what it was called. Was it called Pit Fighter or something like that? Yes. The game. Pit Fighter. Yeah, game. it's, it's got a bit of that about it. But um, anyway, awesome. I'm sure we will enjoy that one, Chris, uh, in one way or another. How can everyone get in contact with us? Well, Dave, after that trailer, they may not want to. But <laughs> if you do still want to stick around, guys, get over to social media at VHS Strikes Back. If you want to email us, the VHS Strikes Back at gmail.com. And if you still want to support us after that trailer, I can totally understand why. But if you do, and we love everyone who supports us, it's so humbling, guys. Thank you. Get over to Patreon, patreon.com forward slash the VHS Strikes Back. And today's roll call of honor is Tim, Alec, Paul, Mark, Carl, Matt, Heath, Haley, Dylan, Ken, Lucky Lulu Green, Herb, Jax, Math, Blake, John Hammond, Brent from the Cinema Chat Podcast, and the wonderful Mr. Tony Farina. So thank you so much, guys. And I cannot wait for people to watch this, Dave. And for our Patreons over on our Discord channel, we are going to do a watch along of this movie because I cannot wait for the reaction. It is sensational, Dave. It's amazing. <laughs> I cannot wait. So get over there, guys. It's absolutely brilliant. Love it. So, Dave. What are you going to take us out with today? Well, you know, I was just browsing through for quotes and, and we talked about uh, how James had converted in more ways than one pussy galore. And when Felix asked James, he just says, I must have appealed to her maternal instincts. Oh, my God. <laughs> fucking terrible. <laughs> not, not your impression, that fucking bit of dialogue, but there you go. <laughs> it's awful, isn't it? It's like, fucking it's so fucking bad. Oh, <laughs> Maternal. So, so we don't know. I'm assuming she might be impregnated now. But, um, Chris, it has been amazing. And, um, yeah, it's been a lot of fun to go back and, and see this one. So, great stuff, mate. And I'll speak to you next time. Bye. That's it, man. Game over, man. It's game over. What the fuck are we going to do now? What are we going to do? Maybe we could build a fire, sing a couple of songs, huh? Why don't we try that? We better get back, because it'll be dark soon, and they mostly come at night. Mostly. I'll be back. That's night. We came, we saw, we kicked its ass. Wax on. Wax off. Go for it. Well, here we go. Ain't so bad. Ain't so bad. Ain't so bad. Ain't so bad. Ain't nothing. You must be crazy or something. I'm crazy. You're just a stupid Yeah, maybe you're crazy. You ain't breathing heavy. He's a fool. He's stupid. I've seen you in six months.